Keja, the movement mentor. Um, welcome back to the Vantage Point podcast. You're actually the first repeat guest. Um, yeah, it's an honor to have you back. We both said after the first episode that it felt like there was a bit more that we could have said, that more that we could have spoken about. And it's quite exciting to be sort of resuming that conversation today. So just tell me and uh, tell the people what have you been up to since last time? And uh, yeah, what's going on in your life right now? So essentially what I've been doing is just trying to take so much, some time to continue my learning. What's been of interest to me recently is eating in line of a female hormonal cycle. Um, just trying to learn more in regards to movement efficiency and movement mechanics. But as my training goes at the moment, I have taken kind of like some time off to focus on myself, to feed myself and nourish myself so that I can put more of my, give my best to my clients, essentially. Yeah. So I think that's yeah, you- what I've been up to. I feel like I should have more exciting things to say. It's just a process of continuing to learn, see what I can um, let go of and just keep refining myself, essentially. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. You can't, you can't give your best to people unless you're feeling your best, unless you're at your best. Can you, you know, um, mm-hmm. how are you going to give like the right energy that you want to give to people, especially when you make it your business, like you do, um, how are you going to give that top tier, top quality, uh, service to people, you know, and, um, enrich yeah. their lives in the way that you really want to. I left an environment. So before I used to work in a gym facility, but that the energy in that place didn't really support me to thrive in the best way possible. Okay. We were discussing earlier this year, maybe late last year, I was employed part-time in a gym and then I left just so I can be more aligned with my higher self. Yeah, it sounds like you've been getting your priorities straight. And a priority of yours has always been movement. Now, for people who hadn't heard the first episode, um what is it you know you're the movement mentor what does movement mean to you and why have you made it your sort of mission to to want to show people how how to move properly and and get the most out of their life through movement what does that mean to you well movement is life essentially there is nothing that is still and I learned that by trying to be still myself and I noticed that there's still movement that's happening even in that stillness, whether that's the blood that's circulating in my body or my breath or even like those little tiny sensations that you get on your skin and the things around you as well. There's no true stillness. So movement is an essential part of life. It exists and it always will exist. But what I've seen is that because of our lifestyles, they've kind of evolved into something where our environments no longer support movement, we are losing the skill to move well. So with the Movement Mentor, my business, I essentially teach people how to move well, not just for the sake of moving well to compete now, but so they continue to move well as they age because what we're seeing is a lot of surgeries and operations injuries so there's an issue there like we're seeing good athletes and just people in general getting injured that could have been prevented if they just addressed how their bodies are moving in space just making those small corrections to keep their joints and ligaments safe 
I've seen you like analyzing patterns in the way people move that um, could cause problems down the line that, you know, unless you're thinking about those things, uh, you might not spot necessarily from the start. And, uh, you know, you can develop bad habits in the way you run, in the way you walk even, and uh, even the way you sit with bad posture, like down the line, that's going to lead to all sorts of issues. I've seen I've seen one of the things you talk about a lot is a myofascial release. Could you explain what that is and what are the benefits of of, of practicing that? This is exciting because I actually have my book right in front of me. So the fascial system is everything. Not sure if you can see that. It's everything that is in the cell, around the cell, within the cell. It's essentially the matrix that comprises our physical bodies. So this attaches your bones to your muscles, to your circulatory circulatory systems, even to your your it's all connected through this myofascia and times if we are either injured or if we're sedentary especially if we're sitting like this all the time we develop pockets of dehydration within our body so by applying pressure to these certain dehydrated points in our bodies we can then have access to the full length of the muscle which is then going to allow us to correct our posture by building strength in the opposing way to kind of correct that habit of ourselves being set in a certain position because it's muscle memory essentially. So it's Hmm. rehydrating puts you back at that starting point. It puts you back at day one, essentially, because when you're born, you're fully hydrated. And then as you age, injury, movement patterns, you get dehydrated. So what you're saying is we're all gonna we're all gonna dry out like a raisin. Well, not if you move in the right way, because once you start moving in the right way, once you're so for example, once I can get full contraction of my bicep, this is going to be stretching. Once that stretches, it's going to be pushing the fluid back into that area of the body. But it's only you can only do that if you have great mind-body connection and if you understand how your body is supposed to work to facilitate movement. I get you, yeah. Um, what would you say then to someone like a young to middle-aged person who's perfectly capable of um, do- doing exercise, who maybe has bad back, bad knees, um, you know, bit bit achy, but um, you know, not, not not like a serious injury, just sort of from day to day, bit achy, and they don't feel like doing exercise. They don't see the point, and they can't be bothered. What would you say to someone like that? because mm. so it puts a lot of people off doesn't it when they ache it does it does but once you start alleviating some of that pain within the body and how once you have more access to your body the incentive to move more is greater because you don't have that physical limitation of the pain you know that's preventing you mm. from doing that activity especially if you're someone who's young because let's face it these kind of issues are becoming a problem for young relations and it starts in school where you sit down for eight hours a day and you have even though you still have sports and activities you're still sedentary for the majority of your day when you're supposed to be playing exploring you know roughhousing a little bit um just utilizing your youth and the movement that comes with that People who are feeling pain now and don't feel the desire to exercise, 
it's not necessarily that I'm going to be taking you through the process of doing extreme exercises that your body isn't used to. We're going to be doing the same things that you do day to day, like sitting, walking, standing, but just fine tuning your placement within your body so that you don't feel that pain as you do that. And once you alleviate the pain that you feel in the activities that you do on a day-to-day basis, you're going to be incentivized to explore a little bit more with your body and continue that progression. A lot of people, they they feel very negative in themselves because they lack the ability to move um, in a a good way and, uh, you know, makes them feel a bit like less, maybe worthless um, because they're not as strong or capable as other people and they feel like, you know, maybe life's just getting them down. And uh, I think a lot of people who sort of embrace that negativity and, and don't want to do anything about it because they think, what's the point? Um, I, I think a lot of it comes from sort of online and comparison and this kind of thing. And in the last episode, you spoke a little bit about, um, or you mentioned that you thought a grand awakening of people was happening. And I was just curious what what exactly you mean by that, if you still mean the same thing. And um do, do you think it's still the case that there's this grand awakening going on right now? So the grand awakening that I was referring to was, I believe, this instant gratification culture where instead of addressing the deep-rooted um, causes of our pain and suffering within our bodies and within our minds at the source, we're seeking that externally. So I think I remember we were talking about antidepressants and uh, how yeah. we can address a lot of these disruptions within our bodies with just simple, healthy lifestyle, you know, nature. And this world provides us all the medicine that we could possibly need. Um, so that's what I mean about the Great Awakening. But also I feel like the way that we approach fitness is becoming different. I mean, fitness for the longest time has been pretty much the same. It's just been repackaged, right? Like maybe it was high intensity one moment and then there's like a imam the next or, you know, it's just we are using fitness as a leisure activity instead of using fitness as a like a lifestyle activity to help. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's it. And I think there's a shift that's happening within the fitness industry, at least to prioritize the fit lifestyle versus leisure fitness. It's interesting. You meant that in more of a sort of um, purely in a, in a training type um, scenario then, but I, I did wonder if you meant it also, um, or if you also thought that perhaps we were coming to this kind of grand awakening as a civilization as well, on like a bit of a bigger level, um, where people are sort of more open maybe to new ideas. Because with the, you know, with the rise of the internet, you can see all sorts of different perspectives from different people. And that's something I'm trying to sort of get going here as well um, with the different guests I have on. But the, I think people are a bit more willing to listen to different perspectives than the ones you're kind of hammered with by, you know, big media corporations and stuff and people are willing to think of different points of view different ways of looking at at life and stuff uh whether it's they're consuming podcasts or whether it's they're just sort of like you know feeling independent enough to go and research things for themselves like like you've been doing research and movement for yourself um do you think people are becoming more open-minded i think maybe around 
2020, it was like a massive switch for a lot of people who were just trying to find answers to the current problem that was existing during that time, which has led to this level of openness and self-research and getting informed. Um, but I've also encountered a lot of people who aren't necessarily open. And even if you were to present a logical argument, like taking it from A and going to Z, it's like a protective mechanism where they don't want to feel they're wrong because of maybe the humility that comes with that. So they remain closed and it takes them away from being open and flexible with their thoughts. Because let's face it, none of us really know what's going on, but we're just making educated guesses, you know? Yeah, I think people often have like a preconception of, of what's going on on certain topics. And um, I wonder if a lot of the time that preconception comes from maybe things they have heard from traditional media sources. But I've also seen this rise of distrust of of like typical media like the news and um you know even social media no one trusts social media anymore which is odd because that's supposed to be the people's platform in a way where do you think this distrust comes from possibly after you've been lied to so many times or if something or an organization in this example the media if they have told so many distruths it kind of reduces their reliability you know, mm. so there's a saying, for me once, shame on you. For me twice, shame on me, you know? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, um, so my, my theory is, I think the news and social media both perpetuate a lot of negativity. And uh, you notice this on like quite a wide scale. You, you can see it, you log into any social media app or news source and you see very negative negative headlines and articles that are sort of pushed on people um you know you, you can't scroll for long without finding something that's like quite negative and i think it's because it re- rewards your curiosity to click a negative article and then you click it once and you get recommended more negative articles like it and um or negative posts whatever stuff that elicits some sort of reaction from you that might not be a positive one and you're still going to click it mm-hmm. and they know that and I, I think it, it sort of people get caught up in this kind of whirlwind, this whirlpool of um, social media and being shown the things that antagonize them from from all sides. If, if you're like, say you're politically one way, you'll be shown things that antagonize you from the other side, if you see what I mean. And uh, the same goes for all sorts of things. I imagine for sports like football and stuff as well, um, the, the algorithm can tell what it gets you feeling sort of negative but also makes you kind of click out of anger and i think it's very predatory the way they they all seem to be kind of coded to do that you know you see even with news platforms like they'll use headlines to bait you in whereas the headline will be the most obnoxious way of telling the story you you can get and then you read the article and it's actually not that bad but the headline's there to hook you in and i think that kind of approach is just it's across the internet and you have to find a way to sort of pull yourself out of it and i think me and you have done that we we found a way to do that and what would you say to people like how how would you escape that just just do it you know it's there's no how to you just have to reduce your consumption essentially and be more conscious of where you're putting your energy because the main reason why i stopped 
looking at the news. Even with alternative news sources, I started following them because I wanted to make sure that my energy goes to me first and foremost before it goes to the world. Because how can I help the world if I'm not first helping myself? Yeah. And um, it's given me great. I mean, I don't look back at it. Like I hate scrolling and then being exposed to negative things that don't necessarily affect me. Like as long as me and my family and my pets are safe, like I don't have to take on the burdens of the world. It's not my yeah. purpose. And I don't believe it's anyone else's purpose, you know? No, I agree. I think, um, a lot of people get sucked into stories and uh, things they can't really control uh, and they'll get, they'll feel a certain emotion about it and feel invested in it. Whereas realistically, if everyone just focused on the little circle around them and what they can do within that circle to make things, to make the world a better place just on a small scale. But if everyone thought like that, that there wouldn't be these massive big scale problems, you know, but obviously it's hard to get everyone thinking <laughs> exactly the same way. That's never going to happen. You know, Um, got a question for you here. What are three things, that bring you a feeling of fulfillment in your life? Because I feel like you've got a lot of things that bring you fulfillment and I'd love for you to share that, share some of those with people. It's a tricky question because there's so many things because I try to honor each moment. Like I'm so grateful to be alive. Like this experience, like just everything about this world is so magical. Like even being able to have this conversation through the internet that's like through wi-fi or some type of invisible force right <laughs> it's it's crazy up there's just life itself seeing that spiritual growth in the present and recognizing where i was in the past like that kind of um juxtaposition um food i like food yeah, we can agree I like on that good one. Food. <laughs> 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 I, I honestly like try and limit the amount of time I spend on my phone because I don't think I'm that bad but whenever I scroll for more like than like a few minutes there'll be something that just makes me think ah you know another one you know <laughs> like Again. it's not even like anger anymore. it's just like ah another person like this you know and I feel like so many people just hyper focused on these little tiny program little tiny problems that aren't real problems and they just need to think about what what is actually ful fulfilling them in their own lives, you know, rather than think about what everyone else well, is doing. Well, there is a view to that as well. Because we are no longer stressing about real life threatening concerns, every type of minor inconvenience we overstress about because it's kind of that frustration, the pent out feeling of um, not being able to direct that energy to something that's meaningful. So we're directing it to every single thing that is meaningless. Well, in the grand scale of things, meaningless, right? So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm nearly in the process of just throwing away my phone, but I don't because I really maintain my connection with those who do follow me trying to be that light in the dark you know yeah yeah i'd say you're certainly that we're running out of time but um i was just wondering is there anything else that you because i asked you if you wanted to bring anything up in particular was there anything that you, you'd had to think about that um you particularly wanted to talk about if not i can just cut this bit out for them um... really quickly i just okay, want yeah. to let women know that you should be training a little bit differently to men 
because our hormonal cycle is a little bit different to men. And then secondly, if you are experiencing any pain within your body, please address that now because that's only going to be made worse with time. Are there any like specific ways in which just off the top of your head, like that the women should be training differently to men? Or is it just in like the, okay. the timing of their training? Usually with men, they have a 24-hour hormonal cycle, right? You might find that there are certain periods of the day, depending on when you wake up and when you receive that first sunlight, that your testosterone peaks, and that's usually the time where you want to train, right? With women, our testosterone peaks a few days of our whole 28-day cycle. So our cycles are so much longer, right? than the men's 24-hour cycle. So usually men, they can train day in, day out, completely fine because that's what their hormones are encouraging them to do. During certain times, we don't want to overtrain our bodies because cortisol is going to then affect other sex hormones that are specific to women. And cortisol, that means that our bodies are going to be more stressed, we recover less efficiently. And um, if fat loss was your goal, you're going to hold on to the fat instead of tapping into those reserves. All right. Well, but um, I, I feel like, uh, yeah. I feel like we should have started with this. <laughs> this could have been another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, it's always seems to be that case. Once you break the ice a little bit, the ideas and conversation starts flowing, but yeah, it's, a lot of because the fitness industry is dominated by men it's always like this go in discipline right discipline <laughs> it's easy to do every single day but when it comes to women our purpose in this physical realm is a little bit different to a man who has to perform every day right we don't i say we don't you still have to perform in this modern world this way, but way back when our roles were a little bit different where we would have to nurture, we'd have to physically give our time to others. So we didn't have the time to train, but we had that testosterone spike for to find a mate, but also to defend ourselves within certain times of our 28-day cycle. Oh, yeah it makes sense it makes sense it's like a primal thing isn't it it's like something a sort of inescapable yeah. truth that you just have to sort of think right what is the best way i can i can be in tune with this this side of myself and, and use it to my advantage and, and knowing the best times to train and stuff and yeah it's, it's interesting that that's different from women to men because you know in a gym everyone's competitive right and it's uh you know you could say it's a bit unfair <laughs> for you guys but um you know just just knowing your body and uh being aware of this kind of stuff can can really contribute to your long-term success and goals and and health isn't it well this is all yeah. longevity like young a young woman she can be in the gym every single day but there's going to be a time where her hormones are going to not support that anymore or you can become metabolically exhausted Keja, I'd, I'd love to keep you for another half hour, but we might have to save it for a part three. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so but, um, much, Glenn, for having me. It's been no, a no treat. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Feel free to check out episode one with Keja, aka The Movement Mentor. Um, we have another little half hour chat over there and that was pretty good too. But yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for coming on, Keja. Thank you, Glenn. Take care.